a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the headlines are constantly perpetuating the myths and the misperceptions about immigrants in the United States of America. Some people believe immigrants are dangerous, that they'll take American jobs, that they're bringing drugs and violence to our streets. So are immigrants in this nation a burden or are they a blessing? From Ellis Island to today, let's take a real look at American immigrants. Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. I am so excited for our next conversation because it tells a story that I think we often don't understand, choose not to understand, or completely miss the learning, the opportunity, and the lessons from it. Uh, we're really pleased to have the author of a new book, co-author of a new book called Streets of Gold, America's Untold Story of Immigrant Success. And our uh, guest today is one of those co-authors, uh, Ron Abramitsky, a professor of economics and uh, senior associate dean of the social sciences at Stanford University. And uh, part of just a great uh, tag team on this book. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, so let's let's start with the genesis of this project. One, from the title on, uh, you had my attention, Streets of Gold, America's Untold Story of Immigrant Success. Uh, so tell us, what was the genesis? What's the backstory uh, to this book? Well, you know, Leah and I have been working together for the last decade on uh, research on immigration. And the idea is that we thought that uh, we wanted to bring data and long-term perspective on the immigration debate, which is often based on fear and anecdotes rather than on evidence. And so, you know, we often have this nostalgic view about immigrants in the Ellis Island generation. And, uh, you know, we think that European immigrants in the past assimilated very quickly, while somehow new immigrant groups today do not attempt to assimilate. And we wanted to, to test some of these myths and reassess some of these myths with data that we put together. And so you can kind of think about us as these curious grandchildren who search for their grandparents in the old historical records, but multiplied by, by millions. And so we kind of put together a big data set of immigrants and their children and their descendants over the last uh, century. And we kind of wanted to reassess some of the common myths. You know, is it really true that today's immigrants are less upwardly mobile than past immigrants? 
Is it really true that today's immigrants integrate more slowly into society? Is it true that the immigrants today generate more anti-immigrant sentiments and so on? So, uh, and then the book is basically putting together uh, our main findings with a lot of immigrant stories uh, from the Ellis Island area era and today's immigrants and stories and, and so on. Uh, I, uh, so one, I love that uh, you're going at this from a curious uh, point of view. Uh, curiosity is a, a key quality of listeners of this show. And I, I think it's uh, we always say that the, the thing that will probably bring down a constitutional republic is a lack of curiosity. And, and I, lo- I, I love the fact that you have been curious, not just in terms of, of the history, but getting to the data uh, in all of this. And so so tell us what the data showed. Let's start with the kind of the the, the myth and the mystery, I think, of, of some of the historical points in terms of, of that data. You know, we often hear this nostalgic view about how great, uh, how people in the past, uh, immigrants, moved quickly from rags to riches, for example. But the data tells a little bit of a different story. The, in fact, the title of our book, Streets of Gold, is uh, if you went to uh, the Ellis Island Museum, you will see printed on the wall there, uh, an Italian immigrant in the past said something like, I came to America because I heard the streets there were paved with gold. But when I got here, I found out three things. First, the streets were not paved with gold. Second, they were not paved at all. And third, I was the one expected to pave them. So somehow this immigrant knew a little better. And so we put together this data and we find that this rags to riches story in the past, for example, is more of a myth. So immigrants in the past uh, often did not move as quickly. Uh, we find, you know, that many of the Ellis Island immigrants that we follow were slow to climb up the economic ladder. They continued to work in manual jobs and never made it into white collar jobs. And like today, uh, even back then, immigrants who started out in lower paying jobs than U.S. born workers often continued to leg behind throughout their lives. But at the same time, at the same time, you know, the children of these immigrants, uh, both in the past and today, are incredibly upwardly mobile. And so we find that even those immigrants, the ch- immig- you know, many children of immigrants grow up in poor families, ch- they are very upwardly mobile. In fact, uh, the children of immigrants are more upwardly mobile than the children of the U.S. born mm. uh, for nearly every uh, every sending country, both 100 years ago and today, the children of immigrants are uh, remarkably upwardly mobile. And when we do this apples to apples comparison, if you want, we compare the children of immigrants and the children of U.S. born who grew up equally poor. So think about it as children who grew up in low income families. So let's say in the 25th percentile of the income distribution. So think about it today as uh, uh, somebody growing up to a family who both parents work for minimum wage uh, jobs. And when we look at these immigrants, uh, the children of immigrants, uh, the children of poor immigrants are remarkably upwardly mobile, more so than the children of the U.S. born and from nearly every sending country. And what's remarkable is that uh, the children of, say, poor immigrants uh, from the Dominican Republic and Mexico today are just as upwardly mobile as the children of, uh, say, Danes and Swedes and Norwegians Mm. uh, 100 years ago. Such important conversation there. Getting into the data was absolutely fascinating uh, with Dr. Dr. Abramitsky. Uh, Again, he's an economic historian from Stanford. And 
so interesting that the upward mobility component to all of this, that the children of immigrants uh, that are in poverty, their upward mobility is greater than an American citizen who is born into poverty uh, in terms of that upward mobility. And so why is that? Why is it that an immigrant child has a better chance to pursue a version of the American dream than an American born into the into poverty uh, has an opportunity to be upwardly mobile and move into that. That's an important part of the conversation. And uh, but I do love just the whole premise of this book uh, in terms of this idea of you know many immigrants come to America because they were told that the streets were paved with gold, uh, only to find that not only were the streets not paved in gold, they weren't paved at all. And they're going to be the one that has to pave them. Uh, So many important lessons there that we're going to stay with the question just a little bit longer today. Coming up, we'll continue our conversation with Dr. Ran Abraminski from Stanford University, an extraordinary book. And we're going to talk about what policies we should pursue when it comes to immigration and helping everyone to move up that economic ladder. Stay with us. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Lloyd Matheson. We're staying with the question just a little bit longer today. So, why are children of immigrants so successful in the United States? How can we open more doors? And how should conversations in Washington, D.C. change as it relates to immigration? We had a fascinating conversation with Dr. Ron Abramitsky about his new book, Streets of Gold, America's Untold Story of Immigrant Success. So I asked the doctor about what he found in all the data that he collected, because these were not just anecdotal stories that he was looking at. He was looking at the data. And how did immigrants do in terms of upward mobility? More importantly, how did their children do? So I asked him, what surprised you? about where you've been and where we are today. And I also asked him about Utah's place as a significant home to upward mobility for immigrants. For example, what you let me start with what you just mentioned, that you know, Utah, you said, is a place of upward mobility. Absolutely, that's one of the things we find. You know, when we look at why is it the case that the children of immigrants are more upwardly mobile, we find that a lot of it has to do with location choice. So immigrants they tended to move to locations in the United States that offer the best opportunities for upward mobility for their children, whereas the U.S. born are more rooted in place. And Mm -hmm. so in the past, this often meant that immigrants were very unlikely to move to the U.S. South, which was a place of low economic mobility. Now, why don't the U.S. born move to places of higher economic opportunity, you might ask? Well, you know, moving to opportunity also means leaving home. And so if you were born in a certain place in the United States and your parents and grandparents are there, you have your networks there, you don't just think about, you know, the economic returns of moving versus staying. And when you are an immigrant, you are uh, you already left your home. And so you may as well move to a place with more opportunities uh, to you and and to your children. So that's kind of one of the things we find uh, location choice uh, has a lot to to do with uh, why immigrant children are so are so successful. Other things that we find that, that surprised us was that, uh, you know, you often hear this, uh, uh, how uh, 
today anti-immigrants uh, is in, you know, like uh, attitudes are rising and we have never heard this before. But, you know, if you know your history, uh, you know that uh, there's always been anti-immigrant sentiment uh, in the United States. And in fact, if anything, we have today a silent majority that is in favor of immigrants. You know, in the 2021, there was a Gallup survey that asked, you know, do you think immigration is good for this country or bad for this country? And, and 75 percent said that immigration is good for this country. So what we find, you know, we look, for example, at congressional speeches over the last mm-hmm. couple of hundred years, and we find that uh, uh, immigration speeches were mostly negative in the past. And then they turned around, the, you know, in the two generations between 19. 19- 40s and 1960s, they turned into mostly positives. And today they are mostly positive. But of course, we start to see the partisan divide, you know, where the Democrats start to become more positive and Republicans are more negative when they talk about immigrants. Uh, I think that's an important uh, component. The, the language of all of that uh, definitely matters and, and has an impact. And, and I agree. I think that uh, 75% number uh, is probably even a little low. I think everyone agrees that those who, who come here uh, in the right way uh, can not only uh, do well themselves, but they also enrich our society and they make our communities better and stronger and, and bring, with a, bring with them so many things that uh, are such a blessing to so many others. Uh, one of the uh, one of the chapter titles in your book really caught my attention, uh, and, and it's really uh, looking at the long view of immigration policy. I'm still one of those who believes we could solve most of the yeah. immigration issues in an <laughs> afternoon because most people agree the political parties love to use it as a wedge issue. But this, you titled this the a second grand bargain. Uh, what is that grand bargain? Somehow, you know, the, the nostalgic view that we have about the past is a result of uh, a lot of uh, effort by, by presidents in the past to make sure that we think about the U.S. as a nation of immigrants, as a place that is receiving uh, immigrants and is happy to, to get immigrants. And, and the thing is that politicians often tend to take the short view. You know, they look at the next election cycle mm-hmm. and they think, well, you know, immigrants aren't doing as well, but this short-term perspective undermines immigrant success. So if you want, immigration is more of a novel than a short story. You know, in the first part, yeah. immigrants come, they often come from poorer countries, and then they kind of double or more their income by moving to the United States. Then in the second chapter, uh, immigrants sometimes struggle to, you know, they, they converge maybe somewhat with the U.S. born workers, but there is no regs to reach us. They they, they, they oftentimes struggle even, and, uh, even throughout their career and they don't fully catch up. But then in the third part, the children of immigrants from almost every sending country catch up. And that has, has been true for the last hundred years in the U.S. And so somehow we feel that uh, this short-term perspective undermines immigrant success. And you should think about immigration policy in terms of generations, not in terms of years. And when you take the longer-term views and you look at the children of immigrants or when you look at immigrant groups from the past that, uh, you know, 100 years later have fully assimilated in the United States, then immigrants are doing very well. And so uh, if you want, the American dream uh, is just as real now as it was 100 years ago. And if you like this Ellis Island generation, which I think is true for most Americans, then you should also like the current immigration wave, but you should kind of give it more time to, uh, in order for it to look as impressive as uh, the Ellis Island era. 
Yeah, fantastic. Doctor, if there was if there was one thing you wish we would add to our conversation about immigration, what's the one thing that we're not talking about that we should be talking about when it comes to immigration? You know, I think I would say that there is this silent majority that is in favor of immigrants. You think that the 75% is even understating that, but somehow you don't see many politicians who are kind of brave enough to take on a a positive uh, attitude to immigration and to, you know, reform our immigration system from a positive perspective that view immigrants as contributing to this country rather than focusing on the negative side. So I think it, it might be a winning politics to actually embrace immigration as being something that is good for this country, because anywhere we can look at in the book, you know, it would be a mistake to determine immigration policy based on the belief that immigrants do not integrate. They integrate, they are doing well. If you take the long-term view, uh, immigrants contribute to this country. They invent, they innovate, they do not uh, take the jobs necessarily of the U.S. born. You know, high-skilled immigrants actually create jobs for the U.S. born. Even low-skilled immigrants tend to do the kind of jobs where we don't have much competition from Americans, like uh, picking crops and cleaning the dishes and caring for the elderly. And so this idea that there is a zero-sum game, that uh, when immigrants come, somebody here must uh, be losing, is just not born in the data. So I'm, I'm hopeful for a more inclusive, hopefully a positive view on, on immigration policy. Uh, I love that. And I'm so glad you brought up that idea of this zero-sum game. Uh, The one thing we know about America is a scarcity mentality is not what this country is about. And so to to get past that zero-sum game, if somebody's winning, that means you must be losing – uh, is just so small-minded and and really un-American, I think, in, in terms of uh, who we are and what we're trying to become as a country. And we always talk about it in terms of uh, not becoming a, a great melting pot where oneness is sameness, but uh, we, we like to use the salad bowl of everybody brings their richness, their uniqueness. Uh, we're all in this bowl together, uh, but we all have to bring our, our distinction. And, and to do that, I think we have to look at immigration in a new way, as you've described, Doctor, in, in a beautiful, powerful way and based on data uh, that really gives it some richness and substance. Uh, I think this book is an important and crucial part of a very important and very crucial conversation we have to get to in this country. The book, again, is Streets of Gold, America's Untold Story of Immigrant Success. One of those co-authors has just joined us, and uh, Dr. Ron Abraminsky, professor of economics and the senior associate dean of the social sciences at Stanford University. Thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It was a great conversation. More Inside Sources coming up. Bottom of the Hour News is next. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.